Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. It is, uh, it is a joy to, oh, sorry, it is a joy to uh, be with all of you and to be back together as we enter into this new sermon series. And I thought there's no better way to begin talking about the Holy Spirit than to begin to petition the Holy Spirit through prayer. And uh, what, I, what I like to do is invite us into a time of corporate prayer together. Um, and uh, it'll happen like this if you're following along at home. You, if there's somebody you would like us to pray for, you can go ahead and type their name on the screen. Um, I know we're on delay, and so Stephen, if you see any names pop up on the screen, or Jackson, somebody back there, if you see any names pop up on the screen, just yell them out. Interrupt. Don't worry about it. Just interrupt. Um, we want to go ahead and cover as many people in prayer as we can. But while, for all of us who are gathered here together now, um, let's just together just begin to think of names of people who we want to pray for. We don't need to know their situations. You do, and the Lord does, and that's all we really need to be able to put together. But uh, who are some people that we can be praying for this morning? Just simply call out their name, just nice and loud. Just call out their name. Bruce. I didn't hear that. Praying for you, Alana? Yeah? All right. Amanda? Don't raise your hands, just call them out. The Lord hears you. Richard. Ken. Sonny. Elijah. Marie. Sue. Karen. Kay. Rosalie. Awesome. Let's begin to pray. We sang a song, Lord, that said, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh. God, I pray that we would experience that right here, right now. And not just us, Father, for every single person whose name we just uttered out, and all the names of people who are on our minds and hearts that we did not give space to utter out before you, God, I pray that your spirit would fall upon them, God. I pray that they would be overcome with the, with the closeness of you, Father, that you would draw unto them, Lord. And as you do that, God, I pray that you would awaken in each one of them the, the, the reality of who you are, Father, the, the healing that comes by the power of your name, God, the, the, the boldness that comes in the proclamation of your word, Father. I pray, Father, that everything that you desire for each one of us and all of your children would literally be manifested before us, God. God, just allow us to know you. Allow us through your spirit and through the presence of your spirit to engage with you. Oh, Father, we pray for the physical needs that some of our brothers and sisters have that we've just mentioned before you. We pray for healing over them, God. We pray for doctors, nurses, physicians, and, and, and caregivers that are continuing to provide 
God, I pray that you would that you would bless those hands, use those skills, those gifts, and those crafts that you've given people to be able to, to do the miraculous work that comes through you. God, be the God of restoration and the God of hope. Be the God of healing. Be the God who provides and here with us now. Be Emmanuel. Be the God who is present with us. That we would know you and be known by you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, look, we're, uh, this, this new series is, is one that's going to take us a couple of weeks to work through. So if you feel like today you get a taste of it, I invite you to invite someone else to come back, share the link with them, let them know about it as well. Here are some words to help us get started this morning. We must be careful when we discuss a topic as sacred as the Holy Spirit. The most important thing is to recognize that the Holy Spirit is God. Just as Jesus Christ is a distinct person, but is also fully divine, so too the Holy Spirit is both unique and fully God. This is the mystery that we refer to as the Trinity, and it is based in the reality that the Bible tell, talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as distinct persons, but also as clearly identifies each of these persons as God. This carries important implications for how we think about the Holy Spirit. He is more than a mystical guru or a genie. He is a God and worthy of, he is God and worthy of the love and obedience that God deserves. This also tells us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an impersonal force. So we should not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, a person with the ability to act, will, and even be grieved. These brief thoughts should frame the way we think about the Holy Spirit. If I were to ask you, before we started this morning, who is the Holy Spirit, you can begin to think for yourself for a moment. What are some of the things you might have thought of? What are some of the characteristics you might attribute it to him? Or, or maybe you thought about, like, um, what is the role of the Holy Spirit when I asked that question? And you began to think about the things that the Holy Spirit uh, has done or, or continues to do. If you have something to write with, go ahead and write something down. Remind yourself of, of who is the Holy Spirit, even before we go further into the text this morning. I want to point out just one thing that comes from that chapter that I was just, uh, that I was just reading from Francis Chan. And, uh, and Francis, says, uh, Francis Chan says that the Holy Spirit is fully God. And I want to just correct one thing that sometimes we find ourselves misaligning to. Sometimes we're talking and we're talking about... Jesus, or we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and we, um, we, we move them down in the spiritual authority, uh, in the area of spiritual authority, by making them less than fully God. You know, we'll say something like, you know, Jesus is from God, which is true, 
but will we'll, we'll, um, overemphasize his humanity and overemphasize his deity. And we'll do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we'll say the Holy Spirit comes from God, promised to us through Jesus. And, uh, and in doing so, when we, when we highlight those things, we miss the opportunity to highlight, but he is fully God. So in other words, let me say it this way. If you are a practicing believer in Jesus Christ, you have 100% of God living in you. Not 33%, not one-third of God. You have the fullness of God indwelling. He is not lesser of God. He is not a little bit less qualified than, than the Son and a, who is a little bit less qualified than the Father. He is fully God while being fully the Spirit of God and being present in us. Jesus was fully God 100% of the time from the point that he was birthed into this world to the point where he exhaled and left this world. Even when Jesus returned, which by the way, if you really want your mind to be blown, go ahead and begin to read through the beginning of Acts and see how Jesus returned to, uh, to be with the disciples. And, and, and here's where your mind gets blown. It says, what did he do with them? He hung out and ate. I mean, think about this. The resurrected Christ, who is fully God, came back in both the, the literal sense, here, here I am, touch and see who I am, and allowed, allowed others to engage him in that way, but also proved his deity by being resurrected in humanity and allowing everyone else to, you know, encounter that. I mean, this is, it's, it's really mind-blowing if you, if you spend some time in the beginning of Acts and read through uh, Jesus, uh, the days of the resurrected Jesus with the early church. But this morning, I want to do our best to, to get us moving down the road to understand a little bit more of who is the Holy Spirit. Claire read for us Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you're going to try to take some notes we got three points we're going to run through. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit is sent to us by God. Sent to us by God. It is the will of the Father that the Spirit is present. Um, look what it says in, in the, the section where Claire was reading. If you pick up in the fourth verse, it says, On one occasion, this is Acts chapter 1 in the fourth verse, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, wait for the gift Father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John has baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God, through Jesus, has promised the disciples, and the church, a gift. If you're thinking to yourself, who is the Holy Spirit? He is the presence of God gifted to you and I. Let me say that again. He is the presence of God gifted to you and to I. It was God's desire and God's plan, watch this, that God would be with you eternally. You remember when Jesus... Was, uh, was with the disciples, and he gave them the great commission. 
Come on, anybody remember that, the Great Commission? You might find that at the end of Matthew, right? Jesus is with the disciples, and he gives them the Great Commission. He takes them to the mountaintops, or he meets them on the mountaintop, and he sees, and he says, look out there. He says, you see everything out there? As far as you can see and beyond. And he gives them, he bestows upon them the Great Commission to go and to preach the good news. And he says, lo and behold, I will be with you. What does he say? Until the very end of the age, right? I will be with you forever. Now, how is it that a crucified king could promise to be with the disciples while they're on mission forever? Pastor Crawford and I got on an airplane a couple of years ago. I'm going to tell you a story about Pastor Crawford on that airplane. Man, he was shaking. He was shaking. His hands were like this. His knees were rattling like this. There was nothing about Pastor Crawford that wanted to be on that airplane except obedience to God. But he was nervous. He was like, man, Pastor Ray, I I don't know. I I, I said yes, but it must be God. It must be God. We got to a foreign land. We engaged with the foreign people. And what happened as we got to this foreign land and engaged with the foreign people is we saw the presence of God. We saw God at work. We recognized that there were things uh, um, that, that we, we were quickly, that our spirits were quickly being, being drawn to because we had found kin in the Lord together with other people. And as we, as we saw what God was doing there in the land of Haiti, we began to find ourselves just drawn deeper and deeper in relationship and deeper and deeper in a sense of trusting that God was doing something great. How is it that God could say to Pastor Crawford, go and, and, and preach the good news in a foreign land and lo and behold, I'll be with you even there. I mean, how could he promise him that in Philadelphia and be present with him in Haiti? How could God send you to work on Monday morning and say, when you go to work on Monday morning, don't worry, I'll be with you. It's because the resurrected Christ was promising something that was beyond his physical presence of him being there. It's because the resurrected Christ promised the Holy Spirit who would indwell with us and who would be there and, and would literally be present with us for the rest of of our days. I guess what I'm trying to ask you is this this morning. I mean, do you believe that the Holy Spirit was gifted to you by God? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is the promise that Jesus had is the, is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus had made that he will never leave us, that, that he will be with us to the end of the age? Do you believe that the mission that God has called you to is one that requires the presence of God in order for you to fulfill it and not to worry because God has indeed promised that he himself will be the promise keeper? I mean, that is what is happening here in Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5 when, when Jesus says to them, don't move, just stay still, be ready, because I'm going to give to you what God has promised to you, and then with that, with the power that comes with that, with the presence of God in your life, you'll be able to go and then live out all that I've asked of you, all that I've commanded of you, all that you've been commissioned to do. You'll be sent out on appointment, but not on your own. You'll be sent out on appointment with the presence of God with you. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is present in your life? I do, because he was sent by the Father. When I say that he was sent by the Father, I mean something like this. The other day, I, 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 wanted, uh, I wanted something from the third floor. 
And, uh, and, and the, the thing that I, I should just tell you the whole story. The other day, I wanted one of my boys to come from the third floor down to the first floor. And, uh, and so I sent my other son upstairs. I said, hey, Isaiah, can you go up and get Nathan? He's up on the third floor. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Ray, why didn't you do it? And let me just reiterate. He was on the third floor. And God made younger people for that. Right? And so I said, Isaiah, can you go up and get, go, go up and get Nathan for me? So Isaiah goes up the steps. And uh, he gets up to the room, and he, you know, he's like, hey, Nate, Dad wants you. Nathan needed to decipher what this meant. Who was Isaiah as Isaiah was standing there saying, Dad wants you? Isaiah wasn't just Isaiah. Isaiah in that moment was an extension of his daddy. When he went up there and said, Dad wants you, he was carrying my voice to the third floor and saying, hey, Nate, come downstairs. Hey, Nate, dad wants you downstairs. It did not take long for Nate to realize that arguing with his brother about whether or not to come downstairs was no longer an option because he had dropped the, the, the trump card. He had said, dad wants you. And once he said that, Nate just knew what he needed to do. And so he came downstairs. Why? Because, look, when you and I go forward and we carry out all that is asked of us on mission, when we begin to live into our purpose and our identity, what we're doing is we're extending the hand of the Father. How? Because the Spirit of God is present in you. So you go forward at work and on mission and you do it with the authority and the extension of the ministry of the Father. That's what it means to say yes. That's what it means to be able to say the Spirit of God was sent, uh, was sent and gifted to us. It was an extension of God's ministry in and through us. Flip in your Bibles to John chapter 16. I'm going to get reading here. I'm going to read you the first 11 verses of John chapter 16. I'll wait for somebody to turn there so I can hear an amen. No, 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 no. See, if you're sitting in the front row and you say, amen, I can actually see whether you opened your Bibles, right? You can't trick me. Further, further back, you can trick me, but front row, you can't trick me, all right? Oh, thank you, thank you. I heard one further back. John chapter 16 in the first 11 verses, uh, it picks up on the screen, I believe, in verse 5, but I'm going to start in verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. This is Jesus speaking. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact... The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now... I am going to him who sent me. Jesus is speaking about, uh, speaking about death and then resurrection, to go and be with the Father. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment. Jesus, in teaching about what is to come, he says first to the disciples, he says, uh, there's going to be some people who come after you with a plan to put you to death. That doesn't sound like the rah-rah message I was hoping for this morning. That wasn't like the, hey, let's get up and go kind of thing. His charge to them was, yes, it's coming. The, 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 the painful days are ahead. Tribulation is on its way. Oppression might be around the corner. I mean, the, you can define this however you want. Clearly, he was saying to them, what is coming ahead of you is going to be, eh. And then he says, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. You guys are kind of caught up in the moment about what's to come, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I am. You just told me there's going to be some people coming in my direction with a plan. Did anybody miss that? Did anybody miss that Jesus said to the disciples, there's going to be people coming in your direction who have one design, one desire. Flatline you. Right? And when he says that to the disciples, I can imagine being one of them and just saying, I don't know what you're going to say next, but I'm stuck on that part right there. I'm stuck on that. And Jesus brings some comfort to them and saying, hey, guys. If this path doesn't continue, you can't receive the gift that my father has promised you. The gift is the advocate, the helper. The gift is that God himself will be with you in this literal form of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit within you. And watch this, the second point for this morning. The Holy Spirit comes with purpose he comes david is point number two he comes with purpose here's his purpose to convict to confirm and to judge i rewrote pur this purpose to say convict confirm and condemn because it gives you the three c's they might be easier to remember Convict, confirm, and condemn, right? So let me, let me make sense of this with you for just a second here. First of all, the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts the world of sin, right? God himself, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, brings conviction about sin. How many times has somebody said that something that the Bible says, eh, that's ways of old, it doesn't matter anymore? How many times has somebody rewrote what God says is right or wrong? How many times have you and I tried to arm wrestle the Father about his will because we thought, eh, you know, we might know a little bit better. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Ray, I've actually never arm wrestled God. That's true. But in your mind you have, and in your heart you probably have. 
How many times have you tried to have you tried to just move, you know, what do they say, moving the goalpost, right? Have you just tried to change the distance on the field? Have you, have you tried to say, hey, you know what, like, I know it says this, but maybe it means this, or, or maybe, God, maybe God changed his mind about that, or, or maybe that's how God used to think, but God hasn't done that to think that way anymore. That's the ways of the world. The ways of the world is that we would like to believe that sin is not a big deal to God. That, that we can just, I, I can do me. I can do me. What's good for me, what's right by me, what, what, what makes me feel good, what makes me think this. We're not new in that thought. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. He will indeed illuminate the fact that God has a defined righteousness. That God has clearly said, this is it. This is what is right. I could begin to rattle things off that, that are right and wrong by the will of God. And they would begin to step on your toes and my toes. I was just the other day, I was watching a, I was watching a YouTube video, and uh, they were talking about the, the secret things you don't know about Chick-fil-A. And uh, I, was, I, I was really hoping they were going to teach me how to make the Chick-fil-A sauce. But that's not what it was talking about. It was like, it was saying like, you know, the, the rules about working and owning and operating a Chick-fil-A. And I was, I was caught up. And I was thinking, man, I'm going to just email my wife and say, hey, like, we need to become Chick-fil-A franchise owners. Like, this just seems like my next calling in Roxborough. That'd be great. But rule number three on this video that I was watching made me say, this is not my calling. Because rule number three on Chick-fil-A's things you don't know about Chick-fil-A is that you cannot have any facial hair. Yeah, I agree. So I, I appropriately began to imagine. Yes. Yes, amen. And so I did what every one of us would do, what every guy in the room would do. I just went to my wife and said, hey, hon, we can own a Chick-fil-A, but it's going to cost you this. And I waited to see her response. I am not going to own a Chick-fil-A. Commitment to the to the grizzly here, right? Yes, yes, yes. Amen in the back. That's right. So look, look why, why am I saying all this, right? Like just, just all, all, all this aside, the spirit of God brings about the manifestation of God's ultimate authority, of God's word lived out amongst us. The spirit of God brings, he, he confirms the righteousness of God the holiness. He confirms that, that God has set the standard. And he condemns. He brings judgment. He is the evidence that we either are or are not in relationship with Jesus. And we either are or are not children of God. You might say to yourself, well, I, I thought God is a God of grace, a God of mercy. Does God really judge? 
I, don't, I can't spend a ton of time on this with you here in this moment. There'll be more times about this to come. But let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. Yes. Yes. The God of grace, the God of ju uh, justice, the God of mercy. He's a loving God. And loves you and I enough that he desires every way possible for you and I to be in eternal relationship with him. But let me say this very plainly. The choice for yes, for, for engaging in an eternal relationship with God, rests on our willingness to receive his gift. And if we choose not to, if we push away the gift of the Father, the Spirit of God does not live within us. We are not sealed and promised to be with God forever. And frankly, I don't know what hell will be like. But I do know this. It'll be absent of the promise of God and the presence of God. I know that. I know that. It will be less than what God desires for you and for me. There is an eternal promise that comes from God that is sealed or confirmed by the Holy Spirit. While you have your Bibles open, flip, back, flip backwards to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, a very familiar passage in the first couple of verses we'll read together. I'm in John 3, 1. Anybody with me? All right, I heard an amen from Sue. Y'all got to try to keep up with it. Here we go. Now there was a Pharisee, a man, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, hey, Rabbi, we know. He didn't say, hey, I said that. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Friends, the third point this morning as we wrap up is that the Holy Spirit is evidence of new life. The Holy Spirit is evidence of new life. If you, ever, if you ever talk to somebody who's been walking with Jesus for a little while, they've been a part of a church for a while, and you said, hey, like, tell me your story. Their story probably has a past, a present, and a hope for a future. It has, it has a story of what life was once like, and a, a story of how God changed some things in their lives, and and for all of us who've been walking with Jesus for more than a minute, we have a, we have a hope that we're walking toward. We have a direction that we're moving toward. We've got, we've got something ahead that we believe God has pointed us to. We've got, we've got a mission that our feet are called to. We've got something we're putting our hands to. But we've got a hope that as we move in that direction that God is bringing some others along with us. It's like the, the story of the Pied Piper. We're going to walk around town and we're going to play our song. And some others are going to come out and they're going to follow along. I mean, there's a hope. 
that you and I, as we move with Jesus, that, that God, through us, will bring some others along. But, but why would they follow me, or why would they follow you? It's not that they would follow you, and it's not that they would follow me. It's that they want to follow the God who's within us, amen? They want to follow the God who's living in us and moving through us. They believe that God is at work in us because they see the evidence of the Holy Spirit on you. Friends, I got to say it clearly. If I can't see God in you, I question whether he's really there, and the only reason he wouldn't be there is because you actually haven't yielded your life to Jesus yet. Those of us who have said yes to God, God has begun to do a work in us. He begun to kind of skit some things out of us. He begun to put some new things in us. He began to give us a direction and a purpose. I mean, God is moving in a way that changes the reality around us, and he desires to do that in you as well. And when he does, it is evidence. It is proof that God is in you. It is proof that you are a child of God. You can stand boldly and firmly with confidence that the, word, that the scriptures that talk about us being children of God are now true of you because God is at work in you. God is not dormant. He doesn't just want to come and sit in you. He doesn't just want to occupy a space in your life. God wants to dwell in you so that you can go into the world and accomplish all that God has already pre-designed for you to do. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says that God has prepared a good, good works ahead of us before we've ever thought about it on our own. God had designed those moments just for you. And the only way that you and I can go forward and live these things out is if we actually allow the presence of God to live in us fully. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what's the next step for me in that? I want, I want the presence of God to live in me fully. Do you believe? Do you believe who God is? And do you believe that God has a desire to have lordship of your life? Question one. Question two, are you willing to yield? You see, the presence of God doesn't want to come to be second best in you. He wants to come to lead. He, wa he wants a seat of authority. He, he is the king, right? The same way we worship Christ who was willing to die on the cross, the same way we worship the Father who designed all of this world, we worship the Spirit of God who is the fullness of God in us, all for us, and with us, promised with us till eternity. He is at work in you. Do you believe that? Will you receive that? Will you move in that direction? The next time that the opportunity is in front of you, will you begin to ask the question as if what I'm saying is true? That God is in you. So my response will be godly because God is in me. My response will be yielded to the king because the king is present. The king is present. I can't imagine this would ever happen to any one of us. But let's just imagine just for a second that we stumbled into a room and we could hear some people talking. They didn't know we were in the room. We just could hear them talking. You could hear them, and, and, and the talk didn't sound very heavenly. It sounded as if it was like filled with gossip and, and slander. And you were kind of waiting to hear who they were talking about. Now, they didn't know you were there. And then they said your name. Oh, man. That just, mm, just hurts in here, right? 
And so you do whatever, what, what all of us would do. You come around and you begin to make eye contact with the people who were just talking. And you know what they do, right? They begin to fall back like, oh, oh, oh I got caught. I mean, I was okay with saying these things because I didn't think you were in shouting distance to hear me. But, but you heard me. And now I feel like I, I shouldn't have done it. Friends, he's in shouting distance. He's present. He's with you 100% of the time. He doesn't fall asleep in you. He doesn't say, okay, I'll just look the other way in this time. So in the same way as that broken illustration, let us not act as if we can somehow live in our own ways and God won't know. He's present. And his calling for you and his calling for me is that we would be children of God, obedient to the spirit of God who has promised to be with us until we are in the presence of the Father eternally. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray right now. God, I pray, I pray, for, I pray for a spirit over each one of us, God, that would bring about conviction of sin. God, that would remind us of your standards for life, that you are a holy and righteous God and you desire holy and righteousness from us. I pray, Father, that you would continue to call to mind for us your presence. Remind us over and over again that you are here. That you are active in us. That the great works that you have planned and prepared in advance for us to do are not able to, we're not able to accomplish on our own, but through you and through the presence, with the presence of your Holy Spirit, God, that we can. That when you call to the disciples and to us to go into the ends of the earth with the good news of the gospel and you promise to be with us, it's not that you're just going to meet us when we get there. You're with us all the way through. That there's no place we can go where you haven't been and you haven't already been at work. We're joining you in that work, but, we're, but, but you are literally with us as we're journeying in that direction. God, that you're birthing something in each of us. I pray for a spirit of yielding to your lordship. And there's anybody who's here today who doesn't know you as, as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that, that, that they would first say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died in my place, that you rose from the dead, and that you promised that if I believe in you, that you'll invite me into eternity. And as they believe that, or as that is reaffirmed in them, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be a seal. It would be the symbol. It would be the sign. It would, be, it would bear your promise over their life. You did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through your Son. And that salvation is sealed 
by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we cry out to you. Jesus Christ, we believe in you. Father God, we surrender to you. stand and sing this song in response. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.